0: Other Side of Midnight. 77 W-A-B-C. Local Spotlight. Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. And thanks for starting your week with me. Let me begin with a tip of the cap uh, to all of my friends, all of my family members, everyone in our audience, who I, by extension, consider a friend, who are Yankee fans. Uh, By now, you've probably heard it. If not, you're about to hear it in Kenneth's uh, sports report, which most people seem to like. The Houston Astros, or as we call them here in New York, the Houston Astros, have swept the New York Yankees. Uh, they beat the Yankees a couple hours ago by a score of 6 to 5 in a battle that went back and forth. It was uh, it was quite a game. The Yankees were leading, but uh, ultimately the Astros have won it. Now, I've spent just about my entire life rooting against the Yankees. So, uh, the 13 14-year-old Frank Morano would be very happy about this. But as I've matured, I have I've diminished my Yankee dislike. And uh, I know a lot of my fellow Met fans are probably screaming at the radio or screaming at their wireless device that I've betrayed some sort of Met principles. I don't I don't think so. But I know how disappointing it was from a Met Met fans perspective to have us lose to a team that we were better than the San Diego Padres and be eliminated from the playoffs by them. And I'm sure the Yankee fans are even more despondent today because when you're a Yankee fan, you just have an expectation of winning and that you're ultimately going to win. And most people believe that the Yankees were a better team than the Astros. So uh, for everyone that was a Yankee fan, that is a Yankee fan, my heart goes out to you. I think you had a great season. Hey, at least you made it to the ALCS. The Mets couldn't even make it to the NLCS. I am a National League guy, so I will be supporting the National League team in the World Series, even though they say a Philadelphia Phillies uh, victory is the greatest precursor to a recession if you review historical trends. And for those of you that are New York area sports fans, the Mets are out of it. The Yankees are out of it. But at least the Jets and Giants are both doing great. I mean, did you ever think you'd see a beginning of the football season that would see one of these teams, the Giants, at six and one, and the Jets at five and two. It's incredible, absolutely incredible. So uh, I'm thinking about you, Yankee fans. I know what it's like. I feel your pain. To quote Bill Clinton, "Beam me up." To be continued. The other side of midnight. 77 WC. Local spotlight. Good morning. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano here on 77 WABC. Well, tomorrow is the day. Tomorrow, we are going to see our first and likely only debate between Lee Zeldin and Kathy Hochul. And, uh... I find this interesting for a few reasons. First, let's look at the state of the governor's race to begin with. There's no question about it that Zeldin has picked up a head of steam here. He has got all the momentum in the world here. And I think he is definitely moving in the right direction, which uh, I think... One, I wish there were more debates. I know Zeldin was pushing for more debates earlier on. But uh, I'm interested to see how these two do tomorrow. Now, neither Zeldin nor Hokel is really known for being a great debater. I think in the uh, in the primaries, uh, neither one of them won their primary debates, but it didn't matter. They both won the nomination. The thing that I'm going to be looking for is to see how Zeldin responds to Kathy Hochul's attacks on uh... his record on abortion obviously she's making this whole campaign about abortion and that is a a strategy that has worked for democrats in other areas now so far the Zeldin response to that is i have no power to change the abortion laws well i think that's a weak counter because uh... he is claiming that he can declare a state of emergency and do all sorts of things to unilaterally change the crime laws so it is a little hypocritical to say, well, I could change all the crime laws, but I can't change any of the abortion laws without the help of the legislature. I think if he were to go so far as to pledge to, ins- to not change any of New York's abortion laws, to pledge to keep the abortion laws that, uh, that were signed into place by Governor Cuomo, which a lot of people think were far too liberal in terms of allowing abortion, I think that could actually take away the one arrow that Governor Hochul has in her arsenal. So that's going to be interesting uh, to watch. But uh, if I was Eldon right now, clearly whatever you're doing is working. I, it is a risky proposition to go into this debate when clearly his strategy so far of just doing individual media interviews, campaigning all over the place, building coalitions, it seems to be working for him. So I'm voting for Zeldin, and uh, I'm eager to see how this uh, this battle plays out tomorrow. The thing that I'm looking for Hochul to see, uh, the thing that I'm looking for from Hokel is to see how she responds to the attacks on all this pay to play stuff that she does, which is not insignificant. It looks like a very real scandal, which could dog her for the next four years if she is elected. But I'm glad we're finally going to have a debate. I wish we had more than one. Beam me up. To be continued. The other side of midnight. Local spotlight. I don't consider myself a historian by any means, but I am someone who is really interested in history. I love learning about history, learning new things about history. I love reading history, and I love visiting historical sites, especially in our area. Well. Lo and behold, there is a tremendous bit of European history right in our backyard in New Jersey. There is a Joseph Bonaparte exhibit in Bordentown, uh, Bordentown New Jersey. Yes, the Joseph Bonaparte, the brother of Napoleon. And I had no idea about this, but each year the Bordentown Historical Society hosts several exhibits at the Bordentown Friends Meeting House located in the Historic District to educate visitors and residents on the town's history. Its newest exhibition consists of artifacts collected from King Joseph Bonaparte's self-imposed exile in South Jersey. Despite Bordentown's notoriety for its rich history... Doug Kiyofsky, the vice president of the Bordentown Historical Society, says that Bonaparte's ties to the small town is less known. I have to tell you, I am incredibly embarrassed that I had no idea that King Joseph Bonaparte lived in New Jersey. But sure enough, in the 1820s, he was there full time. And then in the 1830s, he was there off and on until 1839 when he finally left. I think this is so interesting. He was the eldest brother of Napoleon. He was the king of Naples from 1806 to 1808, king of Spain from 1808 to 1813. And after learning of the capture of his brother by British forces following his final defeat in 1815, Bonaparte knew that he was facing a grim fate and he got out of Dodge quickly. And where do you go, at least back then, when you're looking to hide? You go to New Jersey. So I didn't know about any of this, but I find this pretty exciting. I'm going to make a trip to Bordentown. My friend uh, Jason used to live in Bordentown. He says it's a great community. And uh, I'm eager to learn much more about this, and I think it's great that the Bordentown Historical Society is doing this. Hopefully, by me talking about this, and I think the Jersey Journal also did an article about this, but hopefully by me talking about this, more people will also learn about it and go and visit the exhibit. Maybe I'll see some of you there. We'll see. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight One more hour to go. Don't think of touching that dial. So I really enjoyed uh, John Katsimatidis' interview with uh, Andrew Cuomo on uh, Friday. There were a variety of interesting things that I found about it. And I'm actually going to try and get Andrew Cuomo uh, as a guest on this show, because it turns out the person that's going to be producing this podcast is a friend of mine. I don't know if this person wants their name out there, so I'm not going to mention anything about that at this point, but... I thought that the one area of this interview that was just so totally bizarre is where Andrew Cuomo goes out of his way to give credit for the crime reduction in New York City in the 90s to, of all people, David Dinkins. Listen to this. Mayor David Dinkins came in, Uh, liberal mayor, beautiful fellow. What did he do? There was a crime problem. He went to the state. They did the safe streets. Safe City program, hired like 6,000 new police officers, increased the number of police officers on patrol by something like 50 percent, John. That was the answer, putting more cops on the street. And by the way, Mayor Dinkins did it. You started to see crime come down, but it really had its full impact under Mayor Giuliani. Now, I've got a lot of respect for Mayor Dinkins, and I think he does deserve some credit for, one, hiring Ray Kelly, which changed the direction of the police department, and two, raising taxes and getting federal money and state money to hire more cops, as Governor Cuomo said there. But I think what Governor Cuomo is missing here, and the people that uh, share this narrative, and others have said it too, uh, Anthony Weiner and others, is that it was the the perception that the city was going to be tough on crime. When Giuliani and Bratton came in, it sent a message to the cops, we're with you. We're with you and do what you need to do in order to reduce crime. Dinkins didn't convey that to his police department. Uh, Dinkins did not give that impression. So Dinkins may get some high marks substantively, but I think he gets very low marks rhetorically. And then if you look at... What he did on the Crown Heights situation, that dithering and that inability to do anything, seemingly, it conveyed to the public the notion that the streets belonged to the criminals and that public safety wasn't a top priority. So I think for Governor Cuomo to credit Mayor Dinkins as the person that made New York City safe, while I give Mayor Dinkins credit to ignore the Giuliani role in this, It's revisionist history of the First Order. And I think Governor Cuomo knows that. Beam me up. To be continued.